everybody. Welcome to our Church at Home online service week 24. That's right. We have been doing this now for almost, uh, I'm going to say it, don't fall out of your chair or stand up with me. We've been doing this for almost a half a year. As a matter of fact, September 6th will be our 26th half year anniversary of our first Church at Home online service. And you'll remember back then when we had to go to this platform and this type of church wasn't ideal, it wasn't our choice, but we trusted the Lord. And here we are now 24 weeks later at home, church online, still trusting the Lord. That just like my shirt said, says, Jesus is real. This is one of my oldest Jesus is real shirts that I have. It's kind of gnarly and I'm wearing it on a Sunday. I'm going to explain why in a, just a few minutes. But I just want to encourage you guys that right now, 24 weeks into this, God has been continuing to move and he has plans for you to do a work. This is the only way it, it, it works, to do a work in you and then do a work through you. So maybe right now you're feeling like you've been pulled inside out or like there's been some sandpaper on your soul and you're wondering, when's it going to get back to normal and how are things going to resolve? Listen, the Lord will do all of that in good time. He will. That's what he does. He's so good. I have learned to trust the Lord and let him do what only he can do. But I have also learned to steward and be responsible for what only I can do. So quick question. What is God doing in in you, not in the governor or in the mayor or in the president or in them, what's he doing in you? Chances are that should be your main focus and your priority number one, because then when God does that work in you, he'll move then to do a work through you. So guys, here's what we're going to do today. I'm going to go through a few announcements, then we're going to segue into a time of worship and connection with the Lord, where we remind ourselves who he is. Therefore, we remind ourselves who we are, and we acknowledge him as God, and we worship him because he's worthy, and because we need to be reminded. And then after worship, we're going to get into Revelation 16. You guys remember Revelation 16? We did a recap last week, and for the last 20 Two weeks. We've been all over the scriptures. We'll talk about that in a minute, but get ready to worship the Lord in just a few seconds. I'm going to go through some very important announcements. As you guys know, there's the standard procedure. Things that happen here at South Beach Church are going to go on the screen right now, and you'll know what's happening on Monday and Tuesday and CR and youth group and young adult group and the Pastor Marty newsletter and all the things that are happening in our life groups. You can contact South Beach Church at gmail.com and get that info sent right to you and connected with the pastors that will help you in those areas. But here's some new stuff, fresh stuff. You need to watch out for this. As you guys know, we did an Adopt a Highway program a couple of weeks ago, and we're going to clean up the highway right out in front of the church again on August 25th. It's a Tuesday night at 6 p.m. Show up here at the church, and we'll caravan to the cleanup spot, and that's going to be happening here at the church. We need about six, maybe ten people to help out, so put that on your calendar and show up to the church on that Tuesday at 6 p.m. Also, Pastor Ryan showed us last week the brand new app that you can go to the app store on your Android or your smartphone or your iPhone and download the South Beach Church app and get all the content right there on your phone and communicate with us in that way. So if you haven't done that yet, go to the app store, 
After Church and download the South Beach Church app. And also, it's going to be put on, if not already, on Roku and Apple TV and all of those platforms so more and more people can find out how to know Jesus through the South Beach Church teaching. So go online and check that stuff out. And here's another one. Guys, check this out. September 5th is a Saturday. And September 5th, details are pending. But Saturday, every church, every Christian, every believer in town is invited to show up to Newport Christian Church, there by Yaquinta View. And guys, we're going to do a prayer walk where we leave Newport Christian Church and pray for Yaquinta View School and go up across the street. It's going to be hundreds and hundreds of people, I hope. Mask on, maybe social distance, we're going to be there. And we're going to be walking towards the high school and pray for our school and for the, the upcoming year and all the complications. And then we're going to go to the middle school and pray. And then we're going to walk. going to get your steps in that day. We're going to walk to Sam Case. And then we're going to turn around and walk back toward the Newport government buildings. Remember the National Day of Prayer in May where we did that drive-through prayer we pray for all the town. It's so cool. We're going to walk this time. And it's going to be so legit. Pastor Reed Adams, uh, this was put upon his heart at Newport Christian Church. And, and Colleen McNeil also texted me about two weeks ago and said, Luke, pray about a prayer walk. And the Lord just put it all together. So it's going to be happening September 5th. And that leads us to September 6th, which is Sunday, the 26-week marker from our last at-the-building meeting. And we're going to have an at-the- building meeting, September 6th. Guys, we don't know the exact time, but as we are putting it together, it's going to be outside where you're going to park off campus, bring your own chair, walk to the South Beach Church parking lot, just like a Hope in the Park service, except we're not going to have coffee, no food, none of that stuff. And you're going to social distance with your family and with your your tribe, and you're going to have your mask on if you want, but we'll be outdoors and in social distancing, and we're going to worship the Lord. We've got some stages we're going to set up. It's going to be a party. So that's September 6th, and again, it's going to be one service outdoors on Sunday. It's going to be live streamed. It's going to be next level. Guys, there's so many things going on. And I, I don't want you to get overwhelmed or discouraged because if you're anything like me, it's so easy to get overwhelmed and discouraged. You wake up every single morning and there you are, stuck with yourself. And yet God wants us to not just look into the mirrors of our bathroom and find out who's there, but he wants us to look into the mirror of God's word and to be reminded of what he's doing, that in fact, indeed, Jesus is real. One of the best ways to keep yourself on target is to read the scriptures daily. We've been going through the five by five reading program since January, where that program takes us through the New Testament in one year. Here we are now, August 23rd, this Sunday, and August 23rd takes us to 2 Corinthians 2. 2 Corinthians 2, it's the second book that Paul wrote to the church at Corinth. And in chapter 1 and chapter 2, Paul eloquently and humbly talks to us about the faithfulness that God gives. And I'm just going to give you one verse, and then we're going to segue into worship. This is what it says in 2 Corinthians 2.14. As a matter of fact, if you've hung out with me very long at all, you've probably heard me quote this verse by way of encouragement to men and women in battles and in public places, in men and women on mission with Jesus. And here's the verse. 2 Corinthians 2.14. It says, Now thanks be to God, who always leads us in triumph, in Christ and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge (laughs) in every place. It's one of my favorite all-time verses. Paul is declaring that we can thank God no matter what, because no matter what we feel like is going on or where we're at, God is leading us in victory and in triumph and through us diffusing the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. In other words, if you're a Christian, if you're a believer, if you're on mission, you have an aroma. You smell funny. Some of you smell funny more than one way. But but the Bible says that if you're a Christian, when you go to places, 
people can sense something about you, a hope, a faith, a love, something different about you. And as an evangelist and one who wants more and more people impacted by the reality of the kingdom of God and the person of Jesus Christ, this promise is something I want us to meditate on. Even today as you get into 2 Corinthians chapter 2 with your family and maybe read it on your own and remind yourself that God is good all the time and all the time God is good. Even when you don't feel like it, he's working. He's always working. When you don't see it, he's working. Man, again, if you're anything like me, you, you get it twisted, you forget, you get bummed, you get weird, and yet the Lord is so faithful. He declares that when we are faithless, he remains faithful still. So here's what we're going to do now. A lot of announcements. I know I'm talking fast. I'm fired up. I'll tell you why in a minute. But we're going to go to a time of worship, a time of seeking the Lord, a time of chasing after him. And even just seeking the Lord and quieting your heart, did you know it's pleasing to Him? It's just pleasing to Him. And He then is going to prepare a table before you in the presence of your enemies. And He's going to do for you what you cannot do for yourself. He's going to cleanse you with the washing of the water of His Word, His presence. So would you bow your heads and close your eyes right now as we prepare for worship. Lord, we thank you in Jesus' name for your great patience with us, your great gentleness. Lord, that even when we don't deserve grace and mercy, you extend it. And even when we, Lord, are rebellious, you still forgive us and draw us to yourself. And even now, Lord, would you sensitize our hearts and put us on that trajectory, Lord, to being in your presence, to seeking you. We thank you for worship, Lord, for the gift of music that you gave to us to then give back to you. May we give it to you with melodies, Lord, from our hearts and our lips. Would you change us, Lord? Each one of us need that sun shine upon our icy hearts and our hearts to melt in your presence, Lord. So use worship, use this time right now for your glory and for our good. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. And amen, let's go worship. So bless the Sing like Yeah. 
Your presence, oh. 
Well, everyone, welcome back now to our time of Bible study after our time of worship to the Lord. And as we study God's word, it too is an act of worship where we lean into the kingdom of God, the things of God, the, the person of God and the plan of God so that you and I, who are the people of God, can be with Jesus on the mission of God. That's our goal right now. So take your Bibles, check this out, check this out, and open up to Revelation 16. It's the back of the Bible, the last chapter, the last book of the Bible, I should say. Revelation 16 is where we're going to be. And guys, as I mentioned, right now today, just full disclosure, it's Wednesday. It's 7.40 p.m. And I'm at the church with my wife and my kids and Pastor Ryan just left. And, and I'm wearing this Jesus is real shirt. Okay, it's my oldest Jesus is real shirt. And I actually brought another shirt, a nicer one I should have put on. But as I was getting dressed to at the church just now, I thought about this shirt. And that's one of the oldest shirts I have in it reminded me the fact that, listen, Jesus is real. And here's the point. Guys, I just got done baptizing right now, right before this service at Nye Beach, a dude, a dude. I can't tell you the whole story, but let me just tell you something. This dude, seven days ago, was in Sun River, and the Lord convicted him, 
and he gave his life to Jesus. And so then he went on YouTube and he found our South Beach Church teachings and he contacted the church last week, not once, not twice, not thrice, four, five times. He kept emailing the church and finally got a hold of me yesterday and said, hey, I need to, I want to, I'm going to get baptized in the Pacific. Would you do it? And finally, we were able to text yesterday and I asked him, where are you, bro? He said, I'm in Bend, Oregon. I said, when do you want to get baptized? He said, how about right now? I said, how about tomorrow, man? And so he showed up today, which is yesterday's tomorrow, and he drove here all the way from Bend, and I baptized him in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Guys, his name's Eric. He's probably watching the service right now. I might be watching it with him. I don't know how it's going to happen. This is August the 23rd. And guys, he was so excited and so changed in his heart from the floor to the core. And I got to baptize him, and, and, and my son Noah Frechette was there, and, and Eddie Townsend was there, and Jeff Hale, my good friend, was there also. And we got to see this new transformation. And I guess I just want to encourage you that God is doing things in the midst of Corona. I had a mask on the whole time. I'd never baptized anybody in the ocean with my mask on ever. It was the first time ever. And, and, and this is happening because, check it out, this is week 24 at our church online at services at home. And I got to ask you this question. How has church at home been going for you? Chances are, if you're like me, it's been totally different. You've had to sacrifice some things. You're missing out on some things. You want some things back to normal. But chances are, and I want you to hear this right now, because I don't know what you've been listening to or what you've been doing, but chances are, if you're a Christian, that this 24 weeks of COVID, this 24 weeks of quarantine, this 24 weeks of chaos, you've actually grown. You're actually a better person. You've slowed down. You've, you've, you, you, you've gotten out, out of the rat race. There's been sacrifice. There's been give, but there's also been some take. If you're honest, I, I have grown. I'm more sensitive to the Lord. I'm closer now to my wife. I'm closer to my kids. I've, I've, uh, we're spiritual people, okay? Spirit beings having a human experience. This whole human experience thing, temporary your spiritual soul forever and God looked at our human experience and said I'm going to slow it down I'm going to slow it because I don't want you guys to miss it and so I want to encourage you here we are 24 weeks in next week we'll be online as well the 25th week and then September 6th we're going to be back in-person services whether we're in phase one or whether we're in phase two we're going to do whatever is required by our local governments to meet whether it's social distancing or putting masks on or whatever we got to do we're going to do it September 6th we're going to get back together and it will have been a half a year and I hope in Jesus name that you, after a half a year of going through this boot camp, this difficulty, this testing, that you can stand with me and say, God gives and God takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name. I hope you can with faith say, Lord, you know best. And if this wasn't a good thing and if there was no redemption in this, you wouldn't have allowed it. But instead it did indeed happen and it is happening. And God, as my shirt says, is still real. Jesus is still on the throne. Jesus is still doing things. And I want you to stand tall, maybe even on the edge of your seat and say, God, I trust you. If you've lost your job, if you've lost your relationships, if you've lost your freedoms, if you've lost your peace, can you still worship? Can you still say yes, Lord? Can you still believe that Jesus is Lord? Yesterday was Tuesday and it was a busy day for me, a three or four hour staff meeting. And, and then I was able to be with a family at the cemetery 
at a graveside memorial for their baby. And as you can imagine, it was an emotional time. It was a broken time. And we, we sat and stood as a, as a family of God in faith. Every one of them were believers, mom, dad, and the three little kids and a couple of grandmas and grandpa. And we cried and we wept. And, and as we were there, we also, listen, we worshiped. Little baby, baby Caleb was with Jesus. And we worshiped. And I sat there in the, in the presence of this couple. And, and as, as, as the mommy worshiped God, she said, Lord, my heart is broken and my mind is, is, is foggy and broken. It's clouded, but you are God and you are good. And as I heard that prayer, I was like, whoa, whoa. And I was so encouraged, challenged, and almost ashamed of my weak faith. And yet the process of that test, that graveside memorial, made me a better person. And maybe you've gone through, through challenges and difficulties during this time. God is doing what he's doing in order that we would be the better people you got to trust him. you got to know that he's for you, not against you. And so as we look to now Revelation 16, we're going to finish Revelation 16. And the intention and the goal is to put our, listen, gospel goggles back on. Are you a Christian? That means you're saved from your past. That means you're saved from your future. That means you're going to heaven. But it also means you have the sustenance and the gospel goggles to view your present to know what's going on right now in our lives and what is God is doing. So turn to Revelation chapter 16. It's so hard for me to get into Revelation 16 because as you guys know, we spent 37 weeks in Revelation that got us up to Revelation 16. And then for the last 23 weeks, we have been all over the place. We were in Judges and man, we were in Psalms and we were in First Chronicles and Second Chronicles and First Samuel and we were in Luke and we were in Matthew and we were in Acts and we've been all over the place. And the reason we do that is because it's by faith that we walk. And it's through his word that we get faith. And so as we get into Revelation 16, the idea is that God would continue to do what he is going to do in the future. You guys know that Revelation 16 is a prophetical declaration of what God is going to do in the future. See, the book of Revelation is not a hard book to understand. I can't go back and recap it and teach it for you. We just don't have the time. But you know that John was given the book of Revelation, which literally means to reveal Jesus. So we would see him. So John would see Jesus. Where was John? On the island of Patmos, quarantined, house arrest. Man, government shut down. It was all messed up for him. What did Jesus do? John, I'm going to give you my book. I'm going to tell you what was, that is Jesus Christ. I'm going to tell you what to do when it is, that is the church, our days. And I'm going to declare to you chapters 4 through 19, the future. And we see therein both the history, the present plan, and the future plan of the church. And we get to have peace. And in chapter 16, we find ourselves looking at future events. And so as we study the future now, we'll be able to have peace in the situations and the journeys that we find ourselves in presently. So I'm going to say a quick prayer because I need prayer and so do you. And we're going to open up God's word, Revelation 16, verse 12. Lord, we love you. And in Jesus' name, would you, Lord, quicken our hearts, quicken our minds, quicken our spirits, knit us together, just like you did a work in Eric last week and saved him radically. And then he wouldn't take no for an answer and drove all the way over here to get baptized. And currently, as I speak, he's driving back to Sun River right now. Lord, do a, a, a mighty work in our hearts as well. Wake us up, Lord, if you need to, and if you have been, shake us up. 
in order, Lord, to then make us up because one day you're going to take us up. So do a work as we look into your word in Jesus' name. Amen and amen and amen. Check this out. Let's read a few verses and I'm going to try and catch us up to speed as we go. Revelation 16, 12. Then the sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great river Euphrates and its water was dried up so that the way of the kings from the east might be prepared. And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs coming out of the mouth of the dragon. Ribbit, ribbit, ribbit. And out of the beast and out of the mouth of the false prophet, for they are spirits of demons performing signs which go out to the kings of the earth and to the whole world to gather them to the battle of the great day of God Almighty. Stop right there. Eyes up here. Are you lost already? (laughs) I'll catch us up to speed. The book of Revelation indeed was given to John to reveal Jesus Christ. Some people call it Revelations. Don't do that. It's called Revelation. The Revelation of Jesus Christ. That's what it says in the beginning of the book. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ. And the reason we study God's word, the reason why you're reading 2 Corinthians chapter 2, the reason why you're reading Psalm 19 on Wednesday the 19th, the reason why we're studying it today is exactly that reason. To know Jesus. To get closer to him. To be more like him. Hey Christian, I need you to listen right now. The Bible says that knowledge puffs up, but love edifies that you could actually grow in knowledge and understanding. You could read articles and watch blogs and watch all those videos you send to me and, and gain. You could read the scriptures even and get knowledge, but it could lead to pride. So as we study Revelation, a lot of people have been excited. Luke, get back into Revelation, get back into Revelation. I'm like, kind of wondering, what do you want? Why? Because we like talking about the end times and then we want to be able to identify the Antichrist and who's the false prophet and who's the dragon and who's... All that stuff's in here, by the way. We can figure it out. It's not that hard. But that's not the goal. It's not the goal to figure everything out. The goal is to be nearer to Jesus. Matter of fact, just take your Bible and and turn it one page over to Revelation 19, verse 10. We'll be there in a couple weeks, maybe months. Revelation 19, 10. John is in heaven and he sees God victorious. And he sees all the saints in heaven begin to worship. And you know what John does? He begins to worship as well. But he worships the wrong person. He worships this big old person in heaven. And the guy rebukes John. And this is what he says. As I fell to worship him, and he said to me, some dude in heaven, see that you do not do that. I am your fellow servant and of your brethren who have the testimony of Jesus. Here's the point. Worship God. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Guys, this is going to hopefully ground you and found you right now. This guy rebukes John. John's in heaven. John's having a great time. John's doing stuff. And this guy says, stop worshiping me. Stop looking around and worship God. Because the spirit of prophecy is Jesus Christ. The spirit of prophecy is Jesus Christ. What? The reason why we study prophecy, the reason why we study the scriptures, the reason why we do anything is Jesus now, you might be sitting here saying, Luke, I, I know this. I'm a Christian. I'm a, I'm a better Christian than you. Like, move on. In Matthew, no, in John chapter 5, Jesus went to Jerusalem, and he rebuked some disciples. And he said, you guys are searching the scriptures daily, for in them you think you have eternal life. But these are they which speak of me. And then he went on in the same chapter, Luke chapter, uh, John chapter 5, and he went on to say, and you would not worship God. You wouldn't come to God. You wouldn't believe him. Christian, listen. 
the reason why you need to be woke up and shook up and made up in order to be took up is to become more like Jesus. If you're being full of knowledge and you've actually figured out some things about the Bible or the economy or the coronavirus, you got some knowledge tucked away, I sure hope it's being peppered with love. I hope you're more like Jesus. I hope that's actually what's driving you. It's all about Jesus. And so here in Revelation 16, verse 12, we're looking at this beast and the great prophet and the false prophet and these things that are happening. And the intention for you and for me is to worship God more. And so as we study this out, that's my goal. As a matter of fact, that's my challenge. As a matter of fact, if you don't do that with me, man, you got to turn the channel. I'm not here to talk about anything but Jesus. The spirit of prophecy is Jesus Christ. Worship God. That's the point. That's the point. Let's just study this out and make sure we understand. The sixth angel poured out his bowl, verse 12, on the great river Euphrates. Now, for those of you who are Bible students and remember, there were the seal judgments, seven of them. Then there were the trumpet judgments, seven of them. And now we're here at the bowl judgments, seven of them. 21 different judgments in the course of seven years in order to shake up a nation and to wake up a people because God had to do what he had to do in order to get the attention of mankind. Mankind wouldn't relent and wouldn't repent. And so God patiently and kindly began to then judge planet earth. Now, you parents know how this works. When your kids are acting like fools, you say, hey, knock it off, knock it off. I'm going to count to three, one, two, you know, and your kid's like, whoop, and they get all their acting gear. You know how it works. I've seen it happen. God's even more patient than that. Instead of counting to one or two or three, he says, I'm going to count to seven years. <laughs> I'm going to count to 21 judgments. And God patiently deals with humanity. Have you had this experience in your own life? Has God warned you and been patient with you? He has me. As a matter of fact, it's such good news, the patience of God. Romans 2, 4 says that the goodness of God, the kindness of God, <laughs> it leads us to repentance. The long-suffering, the forbearance, when the prodigal father gave his rebellious son the inheritance prematurely, he knew it was a mistake. And yet the prodigal father had patience. And he knew that the gospel, the good news, would eventually get his son back. Guys, when I see here that the sixth angel pours out his bowl on the great river Euphrates, I have to stop and ask myself, there's seven bowls, there's seven trumpets, there's seven seals. And what it says to me, one person could look at that and say, God's so full of judgment and wrath and meany meaniness. Or you could say, he takes that long to just crumple up the world and judge it? He, he actually gives the world years, years to repent and warning after warning? Don't, don't get it twisted, guys. God is more patient, more kind, more loving, more benevolent, more generous, and more willing to let you repent than you'll ever understand. And yet at the same time, God's judgment is just, okay? It's righteous, and it's thorough, even though it is patient. In, in chapter 15, maybe you'll remember, in chapter 16, verses 5 through 7, it, it says that the angels in the midst of the bold judgments, they agreed. They said, righteous and true. It's all good. The way that God is judging, it has to happen. And yet God, in his patience, is also thorough and he's also just. Well, the bowl is poured out on the great river Euphrates. The river Euphrates there flows all the way down from Egypt and all the way into Iraq. It's known as the cradle of civilization. 
it's actually the antithesis or the opposite of the Jordan River, which flows there in Israel into the promised land. The Euphrates River flows into Babylon. And here in this area of the Middle East, the Bible declares that there's going to be a bowl poured out on this river and it'll be dried up. The Great River Euphrates is huge, 18,000 or 1,800 miles long and about 300 yards wide. It is a lot of water. And when people read this back in the day, they would say, I don't really know how that's going to be dried up until the late 1990s and the early 1990s when the Ataturk Dam was constructed. In Turkey, which controls the headwaters of this river Euphrates, there are 22 different dams, systems. And right now in Turkey, if they wanted to, they could turn off the Euphrates River for upwards of one year. This all just recently happened. If they wanted to stop the water flow for whatever political reason, Turkey's pretty, pretty stable. Anyways, they could do it if they wanted to. Now, the Bible declares that the water will be dried up so that the ways of the kings from the east may be prepared. You remember the kings of the east, these, this, this 200 million man army will march from the east, from Japan and from China and from India and from the, the Pan-Asian community all the way to the Middle East to fight at the Valley of Megiddo. I was doing just a little bit of research about this today. I'm going to read this off my computer because I can't memorize everything. Check this out. The SCO, the Shanghai Corporation Organization, a security alliance of Asian nations have been gathering and planning for years. And the eight member nations, Russia, China, India, Kazakhstan, Kyrgyzstan, Pakistan, Tajikistan, and Uzbekistan pledged to enhance cooperation between their defense departments and armed forces. These nations have a combined total population of 3.2 billion people. Now stop right there. Eyes up here. This is all prophecy in John's day. It's the future. And in John's day, there was a prophecy that there would be an army of 200 million people. Now, in John's day, 90, 80, first century, did you know that there was only about 150 million people alive? And so John wrote down that number like, what did you say, 200? 200, 200. You say 200 million? So, so okay, okay, I'm write that down. Which verifies that the book of Revelation is for the future. Not for then, but, but for now. Because 200 million people is an absurd amount of soldiers. Unless you take the SCO, the Shanghai Corporation Organization, which has these eight nations that have kind of coalitioned together and said, you know what, if everything gets crazy, let's make sure we got each other's backs. I don't know where these 200 million people are going to come from, but I do know that now on planet Earth, it is possible that they would march against the Lord, that they would come. Now, why would they do this? Look at verse 13. And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs coming out of the mouth of the dragon, that's Satan, and out of the mouth of the false, and out of the mouth of the beast, that's the Antichrist, and out of the mouth of the false prophet, that's the unholy trinity, the ones that replicate God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, these unholy leaders at this time who are ruling the planet, and they have an unclean spirit like frogs coming out of their mouth, and it says in verse 14, they are spirits of demons performing signs which go out to the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them to the battle of that great day of God Almighty. A few things. Have you ever looked at politicians and been confused? <laughs> it's not a trick question. Have you, have you ever looked at the nations around the world and thought, what in the actual world is going on? Have you ever looked at our own governments, maybe the 
mayor of Portland or, or the governor of Oregon or the governor of California or the, the president of the United States or, or, or maybe the president of, of North Korea or, or maybe the, the, the president and the supreme leader, I think he's called, of Russia. Have you ever just looked at some of the people in charge and just kind of scratched your head and thought, what is happening? Now, in this text, we see what's happening. These political leaders at the time, in the future, will be influenced by unholy spirits, by demons. John sees that like frogs. I don't, even, I don't even know what that means, but this is grotesque. It's perverted. It's wrong. Demons performing powers and wonders. It says right there that in verse 14, these are spirits of demons performing signs. There's actually power. They can actually do stuff. Sometimes people get confused into believing that just because somebody has power or wisdom even, or miracles, that they're good. Thumbs up. Satan is the master counterfeiter, the master manipulator, and the master liar. That's why for some of you who are prone to seeking out signs and wonders, you need to be very careful because Satan can counterfeit oftentimes signs and wonders and lead people away from Jesus. Be that as it may, we see here in the future that there will be an influence upon the world leaders to somehow, some way, for some reason, go to Jerusalem and to fight God. And I want to make an application for us here in 2020. It's 2020, by the way. Pinch yourself. Anything could happen. In 2020, there are a lot of people who are anti-God. There's a lot of people who are anti-church, anti-Christ. And, and it sometimes confuses me. What's, what's the big deal? What's going on here? There are spiritual forces in play. Ephesians Chapter 6 tells you and me, we do not wrestle against our governor, against our mayor, Dean Sawyer, love you. We, we do not wrestle against our president. We do not wrestle against our police. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood. But we do wrestle. Who do we wrestle against? Principalities and powers in spiritual places. That's why on September 5th when we do that prayer walk, it's vitally important that, that you pray with us. Maybe you can't show up in person, but we pray. And not just September 5th, but that's why when we see things out of order in our marriage, on the smallest of local governments, or, or in our church, or, or in our families, or, or in our communities, we don't immediately start firing arrows at each other. But instead we realize, I bet there's something more sinister going on. I bet there's something more dark going on. And while we don't wrestle against one another, we do wrestle, my friends. You see, the, the principalities of this world are against God. And if you are for God... You're sure it says Jesus is real? Therefore, they are against you. This is a prophecy of the future. And when I read this, I'm thinking 200 million people marching to fight. What's the big deal? But when I watch the nightly news and I see people with violence and, and rioting and looting and doing things that are grotesque, I think, what, what has happened? Have you seen some videos that just make your stomach hurt? Injustice and abuse, imbalance and racism. All these things are not... They're satanic. They're evil. And it's important that you and I react and respond, okay, on our knees, praying to God. We realize and recognize what's happening. That we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but we do wrestle. And so there's things afoot. Things going to happen in the future. Things are happening right now. And I would remind you, the nation of Israel is the focal point of the economy of God. And the nation of Israel, when it was reborn in 1948, began the prophetical timepiece of the soon return of Jesus Christ. And as things heat up in Israel, even today, even right now, some of the alliances that are being forged through the uh, United 
Arab Emirates Association and the, the Israeli forces and all these things that are happening. I don't know if you're aware of this stuff that's happening right now. It's, it's pretty intense and maybe we'll get into that in the future days of our study through the book of Revelation. As you see what's going on, we realize that it is coming close to those days. I'll read to you quickly out of Zechariah chapter 12. This is what it says, a prophecy of the end days. It says, Behold, I will make Jerusalem a cup of drunkenness or trembling to all the surrounding peoples. And when they lay siege against Judah and Jerusalem, and it shall happen in that day that I will make Jerusalem a very heavy stone for all peoples. And all who would heave it away will surely be cut into pieces, though the nations should be gathered against it. Two chapters later, something crazy happens. It says, Then the Lord, this is at the end, the last battle, the one we're studying right now, then the Lord will go forth and will fight against those nations as he fights in the day of battle. And in the, that day his feet shall stand on the Mount of Olives which faces Jerusalem on the east and the Mount of Olives shall be split in two. This is the same Mount of Olives that Jesus Christ arose from. And when he arose and ascended, the angels said to the boys then, why look up ye like you have lost your mind. The one who ascended will so return in like manner. To the Mount of Olives, it's all declared right here. here here's what I want to tell you about though. It says that when this happens, there shall be a plague, which, which the Lord will strike the people who fight against Jerusalem, this 200 man million army. It says their flesh shall dissolve, Zechariah 14, 12, while they stand on their feet. Their eyes shall dissolve in their sockets and their tongues shall dissolve in their mouths. What? Literally describing nuclear exchange, atomic fallout, <clears throat> blasts that melt eyeballs and tongues dissolve. Guys, all this stuff's happening in the future. You and I who are the church, I believe, based on what we see in Revelation chapter 4, come up here. We'll be raptured. We'll be with the Lord celebrating a seven-year honeymoon feast tucked away. Jesus will come and he will rescue his bride who has not been appointed to wrath. This is the wrath of God being poured out on humanity. This is the judgment, the bold judgments. And all this is happening. And what's the point? What's the goal? What's the strategy? What should we do then? How should we fight back? The spirit of prophecy is Jesus Christ. Worship God. He wants us to worship. He wants us to love him. He wants us to be full of love. Knowledge puffs up. Okay, love edifies. Love edifies. Well, he continues on here. Verse 14, there are spirits of demons performing signs which go out to the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them to the battle of that great day of God Almighty. While it will be a great battle with 200 million soldiers, and everyone will be there. Like it says in Psalm chapter two, why do the nations rage and the people plot a vain thing? God knows this is happening, but it's still called even then the great day of God Almighty. It's not their great day. It's not a great day. It's God's great day. It's the day where God redeems humanity, where he takes the title deed back. As a matter of fact, red letters, verse 15, Jesus then says, behold, I am coming as a thief. Blessed is he who watches and keeps his garments lest he walk naked and they see his shame. And they gathered them together to that place called in Hebrew Armageddon. Now stop right there, eyes up here. Jesus now gives a strong warning to them then, but also an admonition to us now. He says, behold, I'm coming as a thief. Blessed is he who watches. Did you know that if you're watching for a thief, you won't get robbed? That if you're waiting and watching for the Lord to return, you won't get caught, distracted. Right now, more than ever before, we need to keep our hearts sensitive to the near and soon return of the Lord. Peter tells us that there will be scoffers in the last days, even Christians, who would say, you know what, man, I just, 
been waiting for the Lord my whole life and kind of kind of over it. I'm just going to get go about my business. And Jesus says, no, no, no. Stay with your garments on. Blessed is he who comes. Blessed is he who watches and keeps his garments on. Lest you walk and be naked. Man, the illustration is pretty clear. <laughs> you don't want to be caught with your pants down. You got to be dressed. That's what Jesus said. Don't be naked. Garments have the embolism, embolism, symbolism, and the imagery of being ready. Man, you got your the garments of praise on. You got the, the cloak of humility. You got the, the garments of righteousness. You, you're 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 ready and robed up in Jesus, as opposed to not ready. How do you stay ready? You stay watching and you stay hopeful. And I need to say this, because it's so easy to get distracted, it's so easy to get depressed, it's so easy to get disappointed and weird. Don't do it. Jesus says, behold, blessed are you if you watch. You're not going to be caught off guard. Stay pumped. John chapter 3, verse 3 says that if you have the hope of his return, the blessed hope of his return, if you have that in you, you're going to purify yourself. You're going to live differently. You're going to redeem every moment. Even if you have to wear a mask in the grocery store or you have to wear a mask while you walk across the lobby to your chair and sit down and eat your food that someone else cooks for you and does the dishes for you. If that's what you have to do. You know what? If you have the hope of his return, you can purify yourself. Well, Jesus gives us this admonition. Verse 16, they gathered them together in the place in Hebrew called Armageddon or Megiddo. Guys, I'm going to run out of time. I don't have that much time to talk about it. But it's going to go quickly, but Megiddo, 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 Megiddo. And the frogs will tell people, go to Megiddo, go to Megiddo, go to Megiddo. And they'll start hopping over there, just kind of trucking over there from, from China and India and Japan and North Korea and South Korea. And it's all going to happen. Russia and all these coalitions. Megiddo. Megiddo is where Saul died, King Saul. Megiddo is where Deborah fought. Megiddo is a war plane. I've been there. My wife and I have seen it twice. I've got some flowers and leaves I've taken from the Valley of Megiddo. When Napoleon Bonaparte saw the Valley of Megiddo, he declared, this is the great battlefield that will bring all nations together. And he knew he just saw it, maybe prophetically, maybe just in his weird, warry way. But this area is going to be where the last battle is fought, where the blood, the Bible tells us, will flow as high as the horse's bridle. Blood will fly. It'll be a bloodbath. And yet Jesus declares to those who look to him and find salvation in him, you can either have his blood upon you, the hill of Calvary, or you can find yourself with your own bloodshed in the war valley of Megiddo. It's really your choice. And so Jesus gives us this warning. Guys, this is where it's going to happen, this place. There's a th one more bowl in verse 17. It says, Then the seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air. The first and second and third bowl were poured out on, on things, on the earth and on the sun, on the ocean and, and on the river Euphrates. And here now, this bowl, it just poured out into the air. <laughs> air pollution. Maybe it's poured out on the, the prince of the air, Satan himself. I don't know. But it's poured out on the air. Look at verse 17. And a loud voice came out of the temple of heaven from the throne. This is God saying, it is done. Reminiscent of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who on the cross of Calvary cried out from his last breaths, it is finished. Guys, the wrath of God will be satisfied twice. It was satisfied on the cross of Calvary when Jesus Christ paid for the sins of humanity. And Jesus said, as he suffered and died, te telestai, 
It's done. It's finished. And the wrath of God was satisfied for those who believe in him. But the wrath of God will be satisfied a second time for the non-believer. And it will be satisfied with bloodshed again at the Valley of Megiddo, at the final battle when all of the judgments are poured out on planet earth and those who have rejected Christ and walked away from God and lived their own sinful life will have to pay for their own sins. And so God says, don't do that. You're going to have to find blood one way or the other. It's either from my son or it's going to be from your own from yourself. This is what's going to happen. It is done. The voice comes out from the temple. Verse 18. Listen to this. This is crazy. This is how it all ends. And there were noises and thunderings and lightnings. And there was a great earthquake, such a mighty and great earthquake as had not occurred since men were on the earth. Because there's been some pretty gnarly earthquakes in our day. Like we have some historical data. Some just, you who've been in an earthquake know that they are scary. Everything... Can you imagine being in a worldwide earthquake where the earth shakes more than it had ever shaken before? And I was thinking about this in, it, by way of judgment. God, God is in charge. It's his earth. Okay? You and I are the rebels. We're the ones who, man, well, you're the ones who need to be rounded up. And those who put their faith in Jesus, okay, you're safe. You're safe. You have surrendered your life. You have bowed your knee. You have confessed his lordship. You have received his forgiveness. You will be saved and secure because of Jesus. But the rebel rousers and the sin fighters and the ones who run from God, it's as if God grabs the globe and begins to just shake it by way of judgment. More shaking, more. This is not, this is not, this is not fun. This is not okay. This is not something you want to be here for. This is a warning. This is a warning where if you have already taken heed and you're saved, good, praise God. But if you know folks and friends that haven't been, you need to pray for them. You need to cry out that they would become saved. You need to ask the Spirit of God to use you in your life to help people meet Jesus. What's the point of prophecy? What's the point? The Spirit of prophecy is Jesus Christ. Worship God. He goes on. It says, verse 19, Now the great city was divided into three parts. That's Babylon. And the cities of the nations fell. And great Babylon was remembered before God. That's not a good thing for Babylon. It's brought before God to give her the cup of the wine of the fierceness of his wrath. And then every island fled away. And the mountains were not found. And great hail from heaven fell upon men. Each hailstone about the weight of a talent, about 150 pounds. Men blaspheme God because of the plague of the hail since that plague was exceedingly great end of chapter 16 whoa and as the final bold judgment is poured out humanity is shook in lightnings in flashings in hailstones and as you guys know hailstones throughout the scriptures are a plague not of correction but of judgment where it's too late when hailstones come flying down from heaven at 150 pounds, okay, it is the just due to men and women who have rejected God and who have continued in their sinful path. It's interesting in the book of Leviticus, the sin of blasphemy and rebellion was punishable by stoning. That is, large stones thrown upon you till you die. And here now at the end of the world, 
there will be those who decide to blaspheme and decide to go against God in rebellion. And they'll be literally stoned from heaven, hailstones. All of this is a warning to John then, 2,000 years ago, to comfort him in one way or another by saying, John, I know what I'm doing. I got a plan. And so, John, what I really need you to focus on is what you need to do, which is to worship me. Love God and love people. I will sort it out. I have a plan. I have a very thorough plan. I have a very just plan. I have a very patient plan. Now, you and I are not thorough. We're not just, and we're not patient. You realize that, right? Okay, you're pretty much a jerk. You're prideful. You're arrogant. You're you don't have all the knowledge. You have all these, all these things going against you. That's why God has not asked you to figure it out, find out who the bad person is and recall them and go after that group. He hasn't asked you to do any of that. You realize that, right? He's, I just don't, I don't know. He's asked you to be a peacemaker. He's asked you to worship. He's asked you to trust him. He's asked you to watch and be ready, to put on the garments, the garments of praise, the garments of readiness, the garments of holiness, the garments of love, so guys, I want to encourage you as we continue through the book of Revelation, we're going to be in chapter 17. Uh, it's a little confusing. Chapter 17, read ahead, grab a commentary. I'll do my best to walk us through that. And then in two weeks, we'll be live worshiping together. But until then, what's the Lord doing? What does the Lord have in store for you? What does the Lord want to show you that he might use you in the lives of other people? Chances are it's not the latest data on stuff. But instead, it is a heart that's truly surrendered, vibrant and full of love. Did you know that your light right now is going to shine lighter and brighter than ever before because it's become so dark? Don't be deceived. Just because we haven't been meeting in the building doesn't mean the church isn't still the light of the world, a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. I'm going to say a prayer now and ask God to bless us and to encourage us that we would find ourselves responding the way he wants us to. Lord, in Jesus' name, would you do exactly what you want? I really mean that, Lord, because I have my ideas and my thoughts, but Lord, they're usually wrong. And so I surrender, Lord, my will to yours. Would you have your way in my heart, in my vision, in my mind, and in my life? And would you use me for your glory and for other people's good? Would you forgive me of my sin, my rebel heart, my prideful, arrogant stance at times? Forgive me. If you need forgiveness right now, you know, maybe you're a Christian, but you just haven't been worshiping God. Instead, you've just been watching the news and, and getting data and getting knowledge. and You're all puffed up. And you need to just humbly repent and get back to Jesus. Would you just raise up your hands or maybe even go to your knees at your house? Stand up. Do something. Just get radical. Eric just drove all the way from Ben to get baptized and he's driving home. He got radical. Get, do, do something for Jesus that humbles yourself. Lord, I raise my hand too. I do. I do. Because I need you and I repent of who I am naturally. Lord, I'm such a baby. My, my, my faith is so sloppy. Lord, I get so aggressive in the wrong things and I just repent. Jesus, would you help us? Help us to see you. May the, may the spirit of prophecy be Jesus in our lives. May the purpose be to worship God. You can put your hands down. Lord, would you lead us and guide us during this time? Bless our counties. We try and get back to phase two. Protect us from the coronavirus. No more outbreaks. No more spikes. We ask in Jesus' name. Keep us healthy. But more than that, and in addition to that, keep our hearts soft. We love you. We thank you for all you've done and all you're doing. Continue to reach people through the YouTube channel, Lord, and through the app and the Roku channel, all that stuff, Lord. Be blessed and be honored. Thank you for all you've done. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said...
Amen and amen and amen. Hey, God bless you guys. Stay strong, stand firm, stay garmented up, stay watching and stay ready. This is the admonition of the Lord. And don't forget about the upcoming events, uh, the August uh, 25th, Tuesday, 6 p.m. ODOT cleanup right here at South Beach Church. How cool is that going to be to go clean up the uh, Highway 101 in Jesus' name? And then the walk through town prayer September 5th uh, at Reed Adams Church there, Newport Christian Church, and also September 6th, live service here at South Beach Church. I love you guys. God bless you. Go to the App Store right now, get our new app, and we will check on you very soon. God bless you guys.